Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. I want to um, revisit Mark chapter 11. We had the opportunity a few weeks ago to uh, touch on uh, an important element of who we are as faith builders, which is uh, the, uh, the process of faith. We were talking about with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And we looked at Mary. Uh, first, we're going to look here at Mark chapter 11, and we'll just revisit a couple of the things that we saw uh, from uh, the interaction that Mary had with the Word of God. Mark 11 is Jesus teaching us, and He gives us the, some of what I consider to be the greatest uh, exhortation or teaching on the application of faith. We have different things from the Word of God that we can piece together. We can look at Hebrews 11 and we can see what faith is. Faith is the, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We can see how faith was worked in the lives of all of the heroes in Hebrews 11, that by faith Sarah received strength to conceive when she was beyond age uh, of childbearing. We can see by faith Abraham offered up Isaac. By faith Noah built the ark. By faith we can see what those people accomplished with their instrument of faith. Uh, but here in Mark 11, Jesus actually teaches uh, elements of the application. And we know that in verse 22, he says, have faith in God. Have faith in God. If you looked at that and just thought that means believe in God, uh, then verse 23 could help correct that uh, uh, identification because he said have faith in God and then he tells you how Amen. right Amen. so he's not just saying just believe God believe in God he says have the faith of God one translation the Young's Living which is a very accurate translation says have faith of God have faith of God so if I said have a cup of coffee I'm telling you to, to take that cup of coffee and partake of it, right? Have that of coffee. Have that cup of coffee. I'm, it's, it's, it's of coffee, but I want you to take it. I'm not telling you just to own it. I'm not telling you just to possess it. I'm taking, telling you to partake of it. And so he says, have faith of God. The Passion Translation says, let the faith of God be in you. Let the faith of God be in you. Let the faith of God be in you. And this is important because he's telling us we can operate God's faith. Amen. He's telling us we can apply God's faith, that God has not limited his faith to only his use. You know, like that father who won't let anybody sit in the recliner except him. <laughs> recliner don't sit in the recliner that's daddy's recliner now God's not saying that's my faith and don't anybody touch my faith 
He is saying, I have faith, I use faith, and I have made faith available for you to use as well. Operate the faith of God. Remember what's taking place in this interaction is that the day before, Jesus had come up to the fig tree, and the fig tree appeared to be a fruitful fig tree. It had leaves on it, which was the indicator that it should have fruit on it. And Jesus, it says, specifically he was hungry and he went to that tree to get food from it and there was no food on it and Jesus cursed the unfruitful tree. He cursed the area that was unfruitful in his life. He cursed the area that was appearing to be something that it wasn't and he dealt with it, right? And then he walked on. And then the next day as they are returning down that same avenue... The disciples are amazed. They look at the tree and they are shocked. They did not expect to see results, but they saw that exactly what Jesus had spoken had come to pass. And that is what started the whole conversation. That's what initiated the declaration, have faith of God Let the faith of God be in you. You could say, apply the faith of God, use the faith of God, operate the faith of God. You can operate the faith of God. This is not a trick that just me and the angels and the Father know how to do. This is something that you can participate in. And then he begins to explain whosoever. He says, now this is available for whosoever will say... If I have anybody who has faith to say, whosoever will say, it'll work for whosoever will say, not just the whosoever. It has to be a whosoever who's willing to say and believe and not doubt. So when we look at verse 23, we see the highest effectiveness example for us. This is what all of us want to develop in. We want to all become proficient in faith to the point that we can execute the saying and then hold to that saying, not doubting in our heart, but believing that the things we say come to pass. And, And I say this is something that we've got to develop in because there are other attributes that go along with that. For instance, you've got to be able to cast down imaginations that tell you it's not working. You've got to be able to hold fast the confession of your faith without wavering. Because he said, whosoever will say and not doubt in their heart, but believe that those things which they say will come to pass well, you have to be skilled in saying and believe in what you say. You have, to be, you have to be disciplined to do that. You have to shut your mouth from saying what the world says like, uh, ooh, that's bad. That was bad. <laughs> if it was good, don't call it bad. Amen. Don't call it sick. That was sick. <laughs> Those are slogans that people say. Uh, I was having a conversation with one person and they were attending college. They were um, adults, but they had gone back to school to get a teaching degree. And and in in school, they were around a lot of the younger people 
uh, who were just coming out of high school and attending this college. And so there were the people they were interacting with, with throughout the day. And I hadn't seen this person in a few uh, weeks and, uh, and uh, probably two months, two and a half months. And so we were getting together and she kept using a word. She kept saying, I was devastated. I was devastated and such and such happened and I was devastated and such and such. And, and it came up like throughout that, came up two or three times. And finally, I just turned and I said to this person who had been, you know, brought up in our, our church for a number of years, I looked, I said, how many times a day do you say that? Wow. And she said, what? I said, devastated. And she, she didn't even know she was saying it. It got into her mouth and into her vocabulary before she even knew she was saying it. And it was because she had been hearing it. She'd been listening to it. Other people were using that vernacular. And so it, it ended up being something that she adopted without recognizing it. That's, that's why we need the Holy Spirit and we need good godly uh, influences around us who can help us recognize if something gets in our mouth that doesn't need to be there. In, in Spanish, I hear the word a lot, increíble. Increíble, which means incredible. Well, I don't like that word in my vocabulary because I'm a believer, and the word incredible means impossible to be believed, right? So I don't say incredible, but it's kind of like a, a, a go word in Spanish for people to say, that's amazing, increíble. I mean, it just really kind of floats off the, the lips there, increíble. And like, no, 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 I'm not going to say that. And so I can hear people say it, and I have to stop in the hearing and, and, re, and remind myself, I don't put that in my mouth. I don't pull that one in. I don't, I don't use that word. And so there are things that go with this verse 23, the casting down imaginations, keeping your mind stayed on the Lord, uh, being able to, to stay in that believing, not doubting, Right? That, that consistency and developing that accuracy with your own words because it's not when you pray that you need to believe what you say comes to pass. It's all the time. If you want your words in prayer to be effective, you've got to keep them in line when, you are, uh, when somebody pulls out in front of you in traffic. You got to keep in line when when something suddenly happens and breaks right in your hand, and you're like, "Ah, glory to God, glory to God." Glory to God. When you stomp your toe, we're gonna find out what is in your mouth, right? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. So that discipline in our mouth, that discipline is included in this. When we read verse 23, this isn't just something somebody just does one day and they're really good at it. This is something that we are walking in the light and becoming developed so that when we speak, we can believe what we say comes to pass and then we can maintain that focus of faith and not let anything move us off of that believing so that we are, have the faith-filled words that can move that mountain. Amen? So that's what he said. Whosoever will say, be to the mountain. So you also have to be willing to speak to things. You have to be willing. Jesus spoke to a fever. 
and the fever obeyed him. He spoke to the wind and the wind obeyed him. He spoke to waves and the waves of the sea obeyed him. He spoke to a dead man and the dead man obeyed him. But if he wasn't speaking to wind and waves and fevers, hallelujah, it, it is that, that uh, dominion, that authority, that, that recognition that my words matter. Pastor Steele wrote the book, First Words Matter, Last Words Stand. First words matter. The first words that you say about that situation. He, he gave the testimony about our grandson and they were coming with the report about all of the things that they were saying was wrong with his heart. Our first words in that situation mattered. And, and what God put in our mouth was that scripture from the book of Proverbs that says, uh, though it be small, yet it is mighty. And you know, he was born uh, premature and he was very small and that was one of the things that they were concerned about. And I started calling him mighty. And not only did I do it, but his other grandma picked it up too. And she's standing outside the nursery window and people come to look at him and said, Grandma, your, your Mimi says that you're mighty Griffin. Mighty Griffin. And she's telling people, that's mighty. And, and, and everybody was calling him Mighty Griffin. Amen? Why? Because our first words matter. And, the, and then when you say it, let it stay said. Jairus made the statement of faith. He said, if you will come and you will lay hands on my daughter, she will live and not die. She will live and she will be healed. And then when they came with the evil report and said... It's too late. Your daughter's dead. Don't trouble the master. Jesus said, don't fear, only believe. Don't fear, only believe. Why? Because that changes nothing. It's not an issue. What, what matters is the last words you said. And do you know what Jairus said then? That? Nothing. Nothing. Why, he was still in faith. But the last words he spoke, those words of faith needed to stay there. He didn't need to try to pick up and say a whole bunch of other things and, and, and try, to, try to, release, to release a whole bunch of words that didn't have faith in them. I've already made the faith statement. I'm going to stick with that. I'm going to stick with that. Amen. So let's look at Luke and let's, let's look at um, verse... 37 of chapter 1, Luke 1, 37. And I want to identify uh, how Mary interacted with the word that was brought to her. It was God's word. The angel delivered it, but it's God's word. And the angel made this statement uh, to her. He said, the angel uh, had explained to her in verse 35 that the Holy Spirit would come upon her the power of the highest would overshadow her and that the, the holy child born of her would be called the Son of God. And then he explained that Elizabeth, who was barren, was six months into God's supernatural uh, pregnancy. Of course, she and her husband uh, uh, conceived, but she was barren. So God did a work in her who was barren, and then he made this statement. The angel said, For with God nothing shall be impossible. Nothing shall be impossible. The word nothing is one word in King James, but in the original Greek it's three. 
And it's a phrase in the original language that includes the word rhema. We know that the word rhema is a word for the word of God. And it specifically refers to the spoken word of God, the revealed word of God, the word that is a living word. It's alive in you. And so it says that in this original language, this word nothing being three words is, is actually a phrase that says something to the effect of there is not one word impossible of coming to pass. I'm going to read it from a few different uh, um, definitions. The Weiss translation says, For in the presence of God no word shall be impossible. No word shall be impossible. The Amplified, you can put that one on the screen if you can switch over to it real quick. The Amplified says, For with God nothing is ever impossible and no word from God shall be without power or impossible of fulfillment. This is the idea caught in the original language because the word rhema is in the original text. And so it's not just about nothing with God. It's talking about nothing God says. Because everything God does, He does it with His Word. God, this is how He has chosen to operate. Everything God, when He worked salvation, He pronounced it. He declared it. He uttered through the prophets for, for hundreds of years. Jesus fulfilled everything spoken. Everything spoken. Why? Because God said it. And that saying it was the empowering of it. And so when it says there is not one word from God that's impossible of fulfillment. If God has spoken it, it has the power within the word to bring itself to pass, to come to pass in our life. There's not one thing God has promised that's incapable of coming to pass. God hasn't made a promise that is impossible. God hasn't a, a uh, provision of your covenant that is impossible. With God, there's not one word that He has spoken that's impossible of fulfillment. If God said it, He can do it. The Passion Translation says not one promise, or we could say a word, not one word, not one promise from God is empty of power. So words are containers. God's words. God, God uses words to contain His power. Amen. He puts His power in His Word. You know, Hebrews 1, let me read it. It says, He upholds all things with the Word of His power. It does not say the power of His Word. It says the Word of His power. Verse 3 of Hebrews 1 Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Upholding all things by the word of His power. Upholding means maintaining, guiding, and propelling all things by the word. By the word. His power's in the word. His power's in the word. Now, now I want you to hear me because I'm not trying to be picky with my words, but the... The Bible, in the original text, 
identifies the authority in Jesus' name, but King James has translated it power because in the King James, there's two words for power. There's the word exousia, and, uh, uh, which is actually the word authority, and then there's the word dunamis, which is the word for power. When Jesus said, after the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, that's dunamis. That's not authority. You don't get authority after the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You get the explosive substance power. Power when, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. But Jesus said, all power in heaven and earth is given unto me. That is authority. That's the word exousia. So he said, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. The authority... Is, is a governing, it, it is a power. I'm not trying to say there's power in Jesus' name, but it's not the power that's in the Word. Amen. It's the authority yeah. in the name and the substance power in the Word. So if I were to say, for instance, electricity is power. We call it, you know, we got the power on, right? You touch the electricity you're going to feel it. <laughs> if you live through it, you can tell us what it feels like. I mean, it has substance to it. It is electrical power. That's the power in the Word. That's the power in the Word. That's the, 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 the power in the Word and the Spirit because Jesus said, My words are spirit. But He uses words to, as containers to transport. Well, the, the authority in Jesus' name is a governing power. But, you know, for instance, um, the, uh, a, the, the, the authority is, is not something that you can grab a hold of like electricity and you can feel the substance of that power and yet it has a working. It has, a, a, it has a, a, an ability in that authority. But to know that there is substance power in the word every word of God is full of power Hebrews 4 says that it, that God's words are full of power it's alive it's living it's full of power God doesn't own an empty word he has taken every single word and stored power in it you know there's there's power to heal the body in 1st Peter 2 24 there's power to heal in Isaiah 53, 4 and 5. You can pull it out and there's substance in there that can get in my body, through my heart. It comes into my heart and it transforms. Just like the gasoline goes through the gasoline tank, through your engine, and it changes into another form. And it gives you the capacity to drive down the road. The speed, right? The word, the, the, the substance of the word comes into my heart and if it is specific substance such as by his stripes I was healed, then it can come in and administer supernatural healing into my body through my heart, releasing the power, the substance of it with faith and be applied to my body. That's why Peter could look at that man and see that he had faith to be healed. Yeah. He'd been preaching the word to him. 
He'd been preaching it, and all of a sudden Peter looked at him and said, I perceive you have power, you have faith to be healed. Why? Because the substance that was in the word being preached was getting in his heart until it was, it was providing a fullness of what he needed to get up and walk. Amen? It came by the hearing, but there was substance in what he was hearing. Spiritual substance that has a physical effect. Spiritual substance that has a life-changing effect. It has a body-altering effect. Hallelujah. It can have a financial offering effect. It can have a financial stability effect in your life. Amen? So when we look at, at the Word, we want to recognize every Word of God is a container of His power. He has, con- he has placed within every Word sufficient power in that Word to bring it to pass. So it says nothing, no Word from God... Uh, I have one other translation, and I think it's the Moffat's translation. It says, It will not be impossible with God to fulfill His every declaration. Every declaration. So we have recognized that God has placed His power in the Word, and our part is the receiving of it. And like Mary, Mary's response to the Word is the response we want to have Be it unto me according to your word. Be it unto me. That's the receiving. She verbally said that. She didn't just think that. She didn't just imagine that. She didn't just mentally check that in her mind like, "Mm -hmm, okay, I I received that. No, she opened up her mouth and said, be it unto me according to your word. Because with the mouth, you take it. You have to receive salvation, receive Jesus as Lord with the heart and the mouth. Romans 10 says, With the heart man believes unto righteousness, but with the mouth confession is made unto the rescue, unto salvation. So my heart releases the faith that is the currency for that. In other words, I believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead, and then faith makes that transaction. So therefore I believe that he raises me from the dead, from my dead position in sin. I was dead in sin, but I'm not dead in sin today. I was dead in sin, but I'm not dead in sin today. Why? Because I believe God raised him from the dead. And when I did believe that God raised him from the dead, I opened my mouth and said, I received Jesus as my Lord. And in doing so, his life came into my heart and I became a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things are created new. And now I'm alive unto God. Amen. I'm alive unto God. Why? Because I believed and I spoke it. I believe and I spoke it. So the receiving, the receiving is the difference in the grounds when Jesus was talking about the parable of the He gave us four types of soil that identify four different conditions of a heart. He said the Word is the seed that was sown in every one of those soil. Well, we just found out that the Word has power. Every word of God is possible of being fulfilled. There's not one empty word. God didn't have any words that were duds. Like, well, I tried that promise and that promise just didn't work for me. That must have been a bad promise. I must have got a bad promise. 
I got a bad verse out of there, and, and so it's empty of power. No, every word of God is capable of fulfillment. But there were conditions of the heart that hindered the word from having its full effect in that person's life. For instance, we know there was the wayside soil that Matthew 13 identifies was a soil that didn't understand. Well, Proverbs 4 says we've got to pay attention to the word. That attention helps us to, to unlock, if you will, the power that's in the word. The attention given, Matthew 13 says, they heard the word of the kingdom, but they did not understand it. Attention helps us to understand. And then it says there was a type of soil that we refer to as the stony ground. And it was a ground that at first received the word. You know, all four of these people, all four of these heart conditions heard the word. All four of them received the same seed. But this second type of soil, it says at first they received it, but this person, this heart, didn't have any depth. And because it didn't have any depth of earth, it's like planting a seed on two inches of dirt, and right underneath that two inches is a sidewalk. A, a, big, a big rock flat underneath there. And so it starts to grow. It's got about two inches worth of growth and then it hits that rock and the growth is stunted. And it says that the sun came out and the heat of that situation scorched the the growth of the word not not because of the fault of the word, not because the word wasn't capable, but the word wasn't in ground It wasn't kept in a ground. It hit a rock that the Word of God calls offense. They became offended. They were offended at the Word. Yeah, I tried that tithing and it didn't work. Yeah, I believe God. I said I was the healed of the Lord and it didn't work. Offended, oft-ended, often-ended, offended, Stopping the growth of the word. Hallelujah. So we want to uh, recognize how to pull those rocks of offense out. When the opportunity comes to be offended and to quit and to give up, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to praise my way through this and believe God. God's still going to make a way. I'm not going to walk by what I see. I'm not going to walk by what I feel. Amen. And then there was a type of ground that was referred to as thorny ground. And it said that the thorns came in and choked out the growth of the word. And those thorns represent the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, the cravings or desires for other things, choking out the word. So there's a responsibility in every believer. This doesn't say that the stony ground was the center. It doesn't say that the thorny ground, these were people who were receiving the word. These were people who were accepting the word into their hearts. But through lack of attention, lack of understanding, through offense, through the other things choking out the word, they did not bring forth fruitful harvest of the word in their life. But you and I, that fourth type of soil, that's us. That's us. We are the good ground. We are the good ground that is bringing forth 
the productivity of the word because we're going to hold it in our heart and it says these are they which hear the word and receive it they hear the word and receive it Amen. this word received literally means to take with the hand they take it Jesus used the same word when he says believe that you receive back there in Mark 11 believe that you receive and you shall have he said believe that you take it with the hand Amen. well I can't pick up first Peter 2 24 with my natural fingers I mean I can pick up a Bible but I haven't brought first Peter 2 24 into my possession with these flesh and bone fingers so I've got to use my spiritual hand and the book of Proverbs says death and life are in the hand in the power the hand the Hebrew language the word power means hand death and life are in the hand of the tongue so I can take my mouth and I can reach out and I can receive 1st Peter 2 24 and I can say by his stripes I am healed I can receive it I can take it into my possession now how do I keep it in my possession how do I maintain because the Bible in Hebrews 10 23 says that we need to hold fast the confession of our faith that declaration hold it fast we've got to maintain it maintain that how do I maintain it how do I maintain possession of it you know that's what the football teams want they want to maintain possession of the ball they don't want to drop the ball and somebody else get possession of the ball. They've got to hold on to that football, maintain possession of it. Amen. How do I maintain possession of it? Well, the same way I took it with the hand, I received it into my life. I can keep it in my hand if I have it in my mouth. My spiritual hand being my mouth, I, if, I, if I'm still saying I have it, I have it. If I'm still declaring... And agreeing with what God said then I'm holding that promise in my mouth Amen. and that promise is possible it is it is possible of its fulfillment hallelujah, hallelujah. Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse 12 God asked Jeremiah a question And it's not because God didn't know the answer. And I don't believe it's because God needed to know what was in Jeremiah. He wanted Jeremiah, because God knows what's in us, right? His word is the thought and the discerner of our hearts. He wanted Jeremiah to think about this question and this answer. He wanted Jeremiah's attention on this. He said to him in Jeremiah chapter 1 and verse uh, 11, He said, The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? What do you see? And I said, I see a rod of an almond tree. Can you show me that one in the Amplified, verse 11? I see the rod of an almond tree. Well, what does the rod of an almond tree represent? What would that be a symbol of? According to this, it says it is the emblem of alertness and activity. 
the emblem, or it symbolizes alertness and activity, the rod of an almond tree. And God said in verse 12, You have well seen, for I will hasten my word to perform it. I will hasten my word to perform it. The Amplified says, I am alert and active. Why? Because the rod of the almond tree represents alertness, activity. He said, I am alert over my word. I am active over my word, watching over my word to perform it. That's why we have to hold on to the word. That's why we've got to maintain the possession of it. Why? Because it, he will bring it to pass. He will bring it to pass. The, the, the fight of faith is not a fight to get faith. It's not a fight to obtain faith. It's not a fight where I'm trying to get into faith. The fight of faith is a fight where I use faith. It's a fight where I put faith to work in my situation. I put the faith. Why? And it's a good fight because I win this one. As long as I am continually putting my faith to application against whatever the circumstance or the situation is bringing, God will do exactly what He said He would do. God can be expected to do exactly what He said He would do. This is not a mystery. This is not a hope so. We're not shooting craps. Come on, Lord. No. No, that, this is not, this is the walk of faith. The walk of faith is a confident walk. The walk of faith is, I, I know in advance what's going to happen here. Because God's already told me by His stripes I'm healed. God's already told me He'll take sickness far from the midst of me. God already told me if any deadly thing touches me, it will not hurt me. God already told me. So I can walk in the light of that. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm calming down. I'm calming down. I'm calming down. Hold me back. Hallelujah. He will hasten his word. He will hasten his word. He wants us to know that about him. He wants us to know that about him. He wants us to, to have that same expectation. What do you see? What do you see? What do you see? Oh, you've seen good. You've seen right. You've seen well. That's, that's right. Because I'm alert. I'm active. I'm watching over my word to perform it. I'm watching over my word to perform it. And when we have that word in our possession, then we know where he's looking. Do you remember what it says concerning Jesus? It says, when the Son of Man returns, will he find? He's going to be looking. For right here, Lord. I want you to find it in me. I want, I want when you look my way that you see me believing. I want you to, when you look my way, you see that I'm saying, Lord, be it unto me. According to your, what you said, what he said, what he said. You know, we talking about relying on the realm of answers in, in some of our other sessions and, and the, the fact that he reveals things to us so we know how to act. He revealed to the disciples that he would raise from the dead and he said, when I raise from the dead, I'll meet you in Galilee. Do you know none of them were in Galilee waiting on him? 
Uh, he rose from the dead and went to Galilee like, where are my disciples? I told them where to meet me. I told them where I would be. None of them were there. I mean, the angels thought the women had lost their minds. The angels are like, what are you doing here? Why would you look for him here? Hello? McFly? Why would you look for him here? He's not dead. And they were like, oh, yes, what have you done with him? Where have you put him? He's not dead. What did you do with his body? <laughs> He's using it. He's not dead. <laughs> Don't you remember? And the angel said that. The angel re-preached Jesus' revelation. Don't you remember? He gives us the answer so we know what other people don't know. We know how to act. We know where we are. We know what's going on. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We do not have to be disturbed. We do not have to be agitated. We do not have to be worried. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Because we already know that God is watching over His Word. So don't let go of the Word. Don't let the word out of your mouth. Keep the word in your heart, in your mouth. Keep the word in your possession. Don't drop the ball. Don't lose possession of the football. Don't lose possession of the promise. Healing is yours. Don't let go of it. Safety is yours. Don't let go of it. Protection is yours. Don't let go of it. Hold it. Maintain possession of it with your mouth, with your heart, with your mouth. Hallelujah. Because he's faithful to perform it. Can we look at Romans chapter 4? And this will be my first closing. I plan to take three. Romans 4. And we'll begin in verse 18. And we're looking at Abraham's faith. We're, we're recognizing God's faith in, in Mary in the previous part. And now we're going to look at God's faith in action in Abraham's because Abraham used the very same faith that God used and the very same faith that God has given to us. So what Abraham did with his faith is an, a, an example for you and I how we can apply faith in our situation. It says in verse 18 that against hope he believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken, so shall your seed be. So Bible hope is a different definition of hope than what the world has. So let's identify that before we move far from this. Uh, hope in this society is a desperate kind of, uh, I, I sure hope so. It, it has a uncertainty about it. It is an uncertain, uh, I really wish it would happen, I really need it to happen, I really hope, I hope it happens, but then it leaves that little, you know, if it doesn't, it's going to be bad. If it doesn't, I'm not forward to how it ends up. If it doesn't happen, so there's no confidence in that. That was the kind of hope that Abraham's body was offering him. Yeah. Abraham's body was saying, 
yeah, you're too old and your wife was never able to have children and so there's not a lot of hope to be offered you here. So he had to go against that hope and he had to get hope from a different place. He had to get God's hope that came from the Word and so he went to the Word and he, it says specifically the Word he used. So shall your seed be. Five words, so shall your seed be. Of course, that might have been different number of words in the original language, but this one phrase, so shall your seed be. And we know he's referring to the stars in the sky and the sand. So he gave him something natural to look at to connect his spiritual hope to. So every time he walked outside and looked up in the night sky and could clearly see all of the stars all around him, he could hear those words reverberating in his heart, so shall your seed be. Every time he would get up in the morning, and you know he lived in the desert, <laughs> and walked outside, he lived in a tent, right? Walked outside and looked around and there was sand. He could say, so shall your seed be. And these words were containers so shall your seed be contained the power to bring not only his body into the position of producing a child but to bring Sarah's body into the position of producing a child the words the promise of God was the was where the power is if we understand this it takes all the pressure off us to get a miracle we are not responsible to get a miracle we're not responsible to get a healing. The responsibilities on the Word. God's already done it in the Word. The Word's already got the power of it, the ability of it, the capacity of it. Now, I, you know, if you, if you want tomatoes, you don't have to figure out how to make a tomato plant. Just go get a seed. The power's in the seed to make tomatoes. If you want to grow tomatoes gardening, you don't have to sit out there and say, I need to come up with a tomato plant. i got to figure out how to make a tomato. No, just go get a seed and it will make tomato plants. It will, you just put it in the ground. That's all you got to do is put it in the ground. Get the seed, put the right seed in the ground. It's going to produce the plant. You don't even have to know how did tomatoes come out of that little seed. How do I get this big plant with all these big boy tomatoes on it? Beef steak tomatoes, heirloom tomatoes, whatever your favorite tomato is, you pick. How did I get these big tomatoes out of that little tiny seed? The power was in the seed. The power was in the Word. How did I get healed? The power was in 1 Peter 2.24. It was in Isaiah 53.4. And it just, you just put the seed in your heart, put the seed in your heart, put the seed in your heart. I, I heard... A testimony that I had not actually heard all of it before. I'd heard part of it, but I hadn't heard all of it before. And it was actually about Sister Aretha Hagen. And uh, at one point, you know, here is her husband who has received a supernatural healing and has a, a ministry of healing. He went all across the United States preaching healing and teaching healing and seeing multitudes of people receive. And... Uh, something at one point in their ministry 
they found out that she had a heart condition. There was something wrong with her heart, and the doctors didn't give a whole lot of uh, hope for fixing the thing that was wrong with her heart. And even though her husband has a healing ministry and she's traveling with her husband, she's, you know, this is a nationwide ministry, and, and she took a year of soaking in the Word. That's how she dealt with that. She got into the Word and began spending more time purposefully feeding on scriptures about healing, and that's how she received her healing. And within a year, God moved in that situation, but that year was her sowing, sowing the seed. Why? Because I want a harvest of health. How do I get a harvest of health? Well, you can't get a harvest without a seed. You got to put seeds of health in to get a harvest of health. Well, I want a harvest of peace. Well, you need some seeds of peace. Glory to God. Abraham gave his focus to so shall your seed be. And in that focus, he became something he wasn't before. It says to become the father of many nations. He wasn't the father of many nations, but God called him the father of many nations and he still didn't see any evidence that he was the father of many nations, but he became. He became. So no matter what it is that you're looking at and you're saying, well, I need to be healed, you can become healed. We know we, healing is ours in Christ. Healing is ours by covenant right. How do I come into being what's mine by covenant right? How do I come into being that healing that belongs to me because Jesus bore the stripes for me? How do I bring it into manifestation? Isn't that what we all have that, that ultimate responsibility to come to? Okay, I see it in the Word. It's legally mine. It's legally mine in redemption. How do I make it vitally mine? How do I bring it into my everyday 365, 24 hours a day walking around life? How do I bring it into my life? So the seed of it. According to that which was spoken. Isn't that what Mary did? Be it unto me according to your word. What you, what you spoke, I take it. What you spoke, I receive it. What you spoke, I'm putting my focus on it. And then it says in verse 19, Being not weak in faith, he considered not his own body, now dead, when he was about a hundred years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider it. He didn't consider it. Now, we can look at that and recognize it as uh, he didn't look at it, but he had to look in, in some way uh, by the fact that he was walking around in that body. In, in, in other words, he didn't consider it as an obstacle for God. He didn't consider it in the equation as to whether or not God could do what God said he would do. Oh, but look at my body. Look at Sarah's condition. He did not consider those things when he was making out his mathematical faith equation. You know, if you're making out a mathematical equation and I ask you uh, uh, how many 
pieces of fruit are on the table and there are two oranges and three bananas and you, you say two plus three is five. There are five pieces of fruit. So you have looked at the identifiers. Well, he didn't look and say, okay, let me, let me come up with, can God do this miracle? Well, let me look at Sarah's body. No, and let me look at the condition of my body and, and God's power. He took all of those other things away and said, God gave me his word. I don't have to equate in the condition of my body. I don't have to equate in the condition of Sarah's womb. All I have to equate is can God do what God said he would do? Is God's word capable of fulfillment? Is God capable of performing every word he's spoken? That's what they did. Sarah, faithful, faithful about what? Faithful to do what he said he would do. She judged him faithful, and Abraham considered God can do it because God said he could do it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. God can do it. God can do it. God can do it. God can do what He said He would do. God can do what He said He would do. We can expect God to do exactly what He said He would do. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can I pray for you? Come here, honey. Let me pray for you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. 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 There are some specific things that you have desired from the Lord, some answers to questions you have laid out before Him, things that, are, um, that you want an accuracy in the, in the direction that you choose to go. And I want to, if this doesn't mean anything to you, this is just what I have in my heart to tell you from God. I want you to know that God has heard every question and He has details for you. He has specifics for you and He's going to lead you and this decision will not end up in destruction, but this decision will end up in a stability, in a foundation, and in a strengthening in the name of Jesus. Father, I thank you for your, your ordering of steps and Lord that you lead and that you guide and you direct. And Father, I pray for the wisdom of God to manifest in her life in a supernatural way. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. I just want to ask you, do you know Jesus as Lord? Hallelujah. He's your Savior today. Praise God. Well, I'm grateful that He brought you here, and I'm grateful that He's directing your steps. And I just want you to be assured there are, there are details coming. Are you a detail-oriented kind of person? You want the details? God's telling you He's got details for you. Amen? Amen? Praise God. Thank you for coming today. Praise God. Praise God. Just lift your hands. Just lift your hands. We don't want to clap in the presence of the Lord because we want to honor Him. We clap for man, but we lift our hands to the Lord because He's worthy of our glory. He's worthy of all the honor, all the praise. Hallelujah. Lord, we honor Your presence and how You minister to us how you minister to people. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, for answers. Thank you, Lord, for details. Thank you, Lord, for accuracy in our steps. 
Thank you, Lord, for your favor upon us. Thank you, Lord, for your leading and for your guiding. Thank you, Lord.